Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Acts chapter 11. Book of Acts chapter 11, as we uh, continue our our story through the book of Acts. And uh, looking at so many things here, Christmas time is upon us, trying to find the right gift, trying to to just not let the whole season drive you absolutely crazy. Uh, and then you have the weather to contend with on top of that. You can lose your identity. I heard a story when I was over in Hawaii about this this little boy. And, he, and he's got a ball and a bat. And he goes, I'm the world's greatest hitter. He picks up the ball, throws it in the air, swings and misses. Looks at the ball, picks it up. I'm the world's greatest hitter. Throws it up again, misses again. He picks it up the third time. He throws it in the air and says, I'm the world's greatest hitter. Swings and misses again. He looks and thinks for a second. Gets a big smile on his face. I'm the world's greatest pitcher because I just struck out the world's greatest hitter. Losing your identity at this particular time of the year, I believe, is an easy thing to do. If you don't remember what the reason for the season is, you won't remember your purpose on this earth either. You see, we begin to think that, well, it's all about everything but what it's really about. And we see, and especially if you're a little bit older, you see the degradation away from Christ into season's greetings and uh, holiday cheer and everything like that, when in fact reality tells us that it's not about those things. It's really about the greatest gift the world could ever get, the greatest gift to humanity. We're going to talk a little bit about that gift because today as we read in this very unique place in the book of Acts, and I just can't stand the the suspense, so I'm going to read this to you and then we'll fill in the blanks, okay? So let's look at Acts 11 because this is where we're actually at in our study of the book of Acts, but like a kid at Christmas, I've got to unwrap the present quickly, okay? You know, you ever notice that? You just got to, you know, it's so funny. Having kids changes your perspective on everything. Because you'll go with your kids to buy mom a present. And they know they've got one up because they know what you got mom for Christmas. And so they'll go around and they'll tease mom. I know what you got for Christmas. And they'll begin to do this and somehow trying to, and then they both get in this attitude, if you have more than one. My mom, when I was a kid, said, if you have kids, have more than one, because when you get old, one might not like you. Well, some of you understand that. But you'll find that the two kids will be then, how close can I come to revealing what mom got without actually telling her and to up one on brother or do one greater than sister? Well, it's red and and mom's going, really? It's just weird how people think. Well, like me, I, I 
sometimes can't wait to unwrap the present first. So we'll undo that right now, and then we'll go back and fill in the details. Let's look at verse 18. And it says, And when they heard these things, they came, became silent, and they glorified God, saying, and I love this, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance uh, and uh, eternal life. Um, I like this. God has granted to the Gentiles repentance uh, for sins. You look at this and you realize you're about halfway through the book of Acts before the Jews realized Jesus was for everybody. Now, friends, we think about that sometimes, how people become narrow-minded or become prejudiced in certain areas. Well, this is what blinded the Jews to the Gentiles that they could be saved as well. You see, they believed that you had to convert to Judaism first from your pagan ideas, whatever they were, then progress into Christ. Well, that's not the way God does it. You know, there's the song that oftentimes you'll hear at an old Billy Graham rerun, just as I am without one plea. That's the way we come to God. We, we just come to God without any excuse. It isn't that I have to become something first to get something else. And the old saying goes, Jesus loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. I like that about God. Because God always moves us to where he wants us to be. Well, as you remember, Acts chapter 10 dealt with Peter as he went down to Joppa. He was staying with this guy named Simon the Tanner. Now, Simon the Tanner was on the outskirts of, outskirts of town because to deal with dead animals, you became unclean. And so for Really, Peter, to be staying with this guy that was ceremonial and clean, according to Levitical law, because he was touching dead animals all the time, because he was a tanner, he would take the skin off the animal, tan it so they could make their boots or whatever they were going to make. You find that he was staying with an unclean person to begin with. God begins to deal with Peter, giving him visions. This is where he saw the sheet come down from heaven, all kinds of unclean things on it. And, and rise, Peter, kill any. Three times the Lord spoke to him. Three times Peter, or I mean, I should say at least two times, he rebutted him saying, Lord, I've never eaten anything that creepy, ugly. I don't do that. And he says, well, what I've cleansed, Peter, don't you call uncleansed. Now, I look at that as a very significant thing. God is making some law changes concerning the approach to God through the Levitical way. Now, friends, this is important because, again, we remember that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. All the righteous requirements in the Old Testament for what was pure, what was acceptable, all the, all the rights, all those things were fulfilled in Christ. There's a movie, a series out called The Chosen. Maybe some of you are aware of it. Some you like it, maybe some don't. Let me just tell you a couple things about it so you know my official stand on it. I think it's a lot better than watching uh, Sanguli and the Vampires, Okay. But remember what you're watching in that is only probably less than 10% 
Bible. Less than 10% Bible. If all you're getting from Christianity or growing in your Christianity is watching that, you are having a very anemic experience. And any good spiritual doctor would say, get back on the main course, get back on the Bible. Because in series three, uh, episode eight, they have Jesus and he says this statement in the chosen. I am the law. Well, that is a quote from Nephi chapter 3 in the Book of Mormon. Does this bother anybody or is it just me? I don't care about the great pocket of jelly beans you have in your pocket. It's the one that you said, oh, and when I was in the garage, a few of the jelly beans fell into some rat poison, but I dusted it off and the rest of them are all okay. The good ones aren't the ones that are going to get you. It's the one that was dropped in the poison. Now, I'm not saying not to watch it, but I am saying if that's all you know of Christianity you are going to have a very screwy view of who Jesus is, where Jesus goes and asks his disciples for advice. Friends, this is kind of weird stuff. You see, it's Jesus plus nothing is where our salvation lies. And we have to understand, Jesus never said in real Bible time, he was the law. Why? Because that would then put Christianity back under the law of Moses again. Jesus came to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. Now people say, well, what's that all about anyway? First of all, In a namby-pamby, anything-goes world, you can murder people and be back out on the street. I was reading this thing up in Idaho here where this guy uh, had murdered people and everything like that, living about a mile away from where these four college students were, were slaughtered. They said he really, after murdering a person, didn't really do any jail time at all. And you think, why was this person back out on the street again? Now probably one of the prime suspects for this this uh, four-person murder. Law doesn't mean anything anymore in our country. It is amazing to me that a person, and this is just my opinion, don't be mad at me, but this is what hurts me as an American. We have people serving America in foreign countries. They got caught by the Russians, and they're still in Russia, but people who go over playing games, doing dope. We traded a guy who was an arm salesman. This guy is responsible for tens of thousands of deaths. Traded for somebody that was breaking the law in a foreign country. Now, friends, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm glad this person gets to come home for Christmas. And I think being interrogated by any country, any time is a bad thing. But when we look at the injustices now in our country, it seems that you go to prison for traffic tickets, but you can murder people and you're back out on the street the next week. Am I the only one that sees this? 
Now, when we stop to realize man's view of law is anything goes, but friends, God is not like that. And let me tell you, during the millennial reign of Christ, when you rule and reign with him, and you will rule and reign with them. The Bible says that's what your job's going to be. No, not sitting on a cloud, eating angel food cake, and stay off that one. That one's Mick Jaggers. But no, you're going to be ruling and reigning with him, the Bible says, for a thousand years. Now, that's what I said earlier about the little boy. I'm the world's greatest pitcher. Don't forget who you are in this time that we're in. People say this, well, if God knows who's going to make it and who's not going to make it, why do we go through this zoo called living? It's not for God's benefit, it's for your and mine. It's so that we know what's right and wrong. We see the injustices. We see what sin has done to our world. Do you realize God has a standard that is excellent? Everything God does is perfect. And by the way, friends, you look at this world in its fallen state as much as it's a mess, and you still see the excellency of God. You see the excellency of God in the snow-capped mountains or in the beaches in Hawaii, which, by the way, are really cool. And you see the great things that God does from the creatures that he's made to the sky and the stars. When you go to Hawaii at night and on a clear night, you see the billions of stars out there. Gosh, there's some stars. And I was talking with Ken in our church. He's into astronomy. And they had these stars. And I don't know what makes them do this. But they flash red and green and red and green and and just as red. And when I first saw it, it was so bright, I thought it was an airplane. But it never moved. It just kept flashing red and green. And find out, I think it's Alpha Centauri, just what it does. And you see in the night sky, in the day, whatever it is, God's handiwork, God's excellency, God's way of doing things. Now, when you come... And become a Christian. This is what's so good. You got a new standard to live by. Not a sloppy, old, whirly, anything goes. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. That's the slop that the world offers you and humanity a way to life. A way to live. And friends, it destroys Everything. Have you seen the destruction lately? Have you seen it getting worse? Well, hold on to your car keys. You ain't seen nothing yet. When we get into Revelation, and we'll get in there pretty soon. When you get into the first couple of chapters of God dealing with his judgments on the earth, Revelation 6 on. When you realize that one quarter of the world's population dies, we just crossed the 8 billion mark on this earth. That means 2 billion people will die in just the first couple of years of the the tribulation period. Tribulation is only 7 years long. 
And then you've got, you've got within just a couple of, of years, the couple, first couple of two years, you've got a quarter of the world's population dying. By the end of the, pop, uh, uh, end of the tribulation period, two-thirds of the world's population is dead. Dawning of the age of Aquarius? I don't think so. I, I, I think, friends, as a matter of fact, God's excellent standard, when violated, has tremendous consequences. Now, how does that affect me in Twin Falls, Idaho? Because when we violate God's standard, we pay consequences. That's why we get born again. I mean, think about it a minute. Think of all the things that when you came to Christ, God delivered you from. But you don't want to go back and live that way again. Why? Because sin, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, never does us good. Oh, the devil can candy wrap it. Oh, man, you do this. It's going to be good for you. And we buy into it. And then we find ourselves hurting. Now, now remember this. Much like tooth decay. You don't have to wash your teeth. You only have to wash the ones you want to keep. Well, remember that. If you want to violate God's law, the pain may not be <laughs> the pain may not be overnight the pain may be years into your life see in the bible sin has a numbing effect it just does it's like novocaine man have you ever been to the dentist i'm sure you have and you know once they stick that big needle it's about this big yeah, it looks that big. And just to make sure they let you know how big it is, they don't just go bang, zoom. They go bang, zoom. And you don't even know if you have a jaw anymore. It's gone. Well, the thing is, they could be building automobiles in your mouth. You don't know. Because it numbs you to what's really going on. Sin does that. Sin numbs you to the effects of God's judgment. You see, the problem is, we believe the false idealisms of the world. And then we can't figure out why we're experiencing the problems that we have in our life. The way you live your life is where you're going to be in a couple of years. Now remember, pain, pain, sin, the consequences may not be tomorrow. It may not be for three years or two years or six months or 20 years. I have found what God's word says is true. And if you do anything in studying God's word, you'll find God's Righteous standard has consequences for violation. Jesus is not the law. 
Jesus is the righteous fulfillment of the law. And you say, what do you say about that? For me to stay sinless, for you to stay sinless, and by the way, that's where the blessings are. For you to stay sinless, you have to stay in Christ. Jesus said, if you abide in me. Are you abiding in Christ today? Are you doing what he says? See, if you are, then you know that you're on the right path and there won't be the toll to pay for the sin that we're in. I have to take God as his word sometimes. Now, a lot of times, faith, well, I have faith in God. God's going to get me through this. I have faith in God. Well, if you have faith in God, then you also ought to have faith in God that when God says the wages of sin is death, you better believe it. Because of this reason, it's going to leave a hurting on you. And do you know God loves you? My little girl, about eight weeks ago, broke her arm. She was climbing over a four-foot wall in... Um, Kung Fu, apparently not everybody was Kung Fu fighting. She's climbing over a wall, fell off, and braced herself and snapped both bones right here. Her arm was like that. As a parent, and moms and dads, you don't really, you know, you would wish it had happened to you instead of them. Amen? Because you see the pain that they're in, and you, and, and you realize... God does not take glory in watching us hurt. He said, look, don't do these things because I don't want to watch you hurt. Don't climb over walls where you're going to break both your arm bones. God does that. He loves you too much to leave us the way he found us. Now, when we look at this, we find that Peter has this great revelation from God. What I've cleansed, don't you call uncleansed? He goes over to a guy's house named Cornelius. He was a, a, a Roman guard, and he had a bunch of people there. And Peter comes in and shares with them about who Jesus is. And right in the middle of Peter's sermon, the Holy Spirit falls on them, just like... The Holy Spirit fell on all of them back in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they began to speak with other tongues and there was all kinds of signs. There was rushing mighty wind and everybody was astounded saying, what does this mean? I mean, it was that monumentous. And they were all there wondering what this is. This is what happened to the Gentiles. Well, notice it says, that they were filled with the Spirit. And by the way, that infilling of the Holy Spirit, I believe, is one of the greatest gifts you can get from God other than salvation. Now, some people believe it's uh, you get it at the same time. Uh, some people believe you don't. I'm one that I know didn't because I was saved for a lot of years. And it wasn't until somebody said, you want to receive the Holy Spirit? I said, okay. And that's when I got the Holy Spirit. What changed in my life? Well, first of all, there was a boldness to tell people about the Lord. 
And second of all, there was a concern and a love for the loss that I didn't have before. They're going to hell? Well, too bad. Probably they deserve to go. God changed that in me. You see, it's interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that chapter known as the love chapter in the Bible is wedged between the two greatest chapters in the Bible about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But between those two, you have love. And without love, Paul says, I become a clanging brass and a tingling cymbal. You see, we can say we love God, but if, if, if you don't care if people are going to hell, then you need a good heavy dose of the Holy Spirit because that's going to bless you. Well, notice it says here, now the apostles, chapter 11, verse 1, let's pray. Well, it's a long intro, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Lord, bless these words now. Cause us to remember them in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God, they went, and when Peter came to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, the old line Judaizers, contended with him, saying, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. You not only went into their house, you ate with them. Now, you got to remember this. Peter just comes back from this great experience, seeing Gentiles being saved, and then you have the cosmic killjoys out there that say, what did you do that for? Trying to blame Peter for something God did, and Peter wasn't going to take the blame. I like that. So notice here what's really weird is it says, you went into them, you went with them, And ate with them. The prejudice against the Jews and the Gentiles was so severe. You didn't even associate. That's what the Pharisees came to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, you eat with the publicans and the sinners. And Jesus looked and said, the sick ones are the ones who need the doctor. What's your problem? Well, I don't want to hear that. Now, we don't really understand. In fact, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 3, it said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me, opens the door, I will come in, sit down, sup with him, he with me. I'll have dinner with them. Now, you got to remember, Jesus was willing to have dinner with me and you. I like that. Now, here it says, you went into the house of the Gentiles and ate with them. You know, friends, I never truly understood this until I went to Tonga. I've shared this story before, but as a missionary, and I, I was on the backside of the wilderness, not near, not, not near Nukalofa, the capital, but in the bush. And um, a friend of mine, I went there to build a radio station. And we're over there, and and it's really it's it's pretty neat. You know, everything's different. You had we had a we had a, a, a to take a shower. You had to go and put firewood under the Antichrist. That's what they called the hot water heater, because it didn't heat off of electricity. You built a fire under the tank with wood. It would get up to temperature. Then you could take a hot shower. Well, Graham Carter, who I was there with from uh, uh, Christian broadcasters in the Pacific, 
who I was there uh, ministering with, he he um, he said, "Hey, mate, tonight we're going over to dinner. We've been invited out in the bush." He said, "If you get something on your table that looks like an onion ring, you're the guest of honor." I said, "Is that good?" And he goes, "No, that's the tail of the dog you're eating." Oh. So we get in this, we get in this British Land Rover, which doesn't have any brakes. Didn't if you're a mechanic, you have to use Castrol Girling brake fluid in a British product because if you use American brake fluid, it will eat the little rubber cups out and it doesn't work anymore. The good news is the emergency brakes still worked. So we're going through this little village. And then out in the bush, we'd come up to the intersection, and he'd be pulling the emergency brake to stop it, slow it down, and then drop it, and away we'd go. We'd get out in the bush, we're there, and he said, just a minute, I'm going to go see what we got for dinner. So he gets out, comes back with this big smile on his face. He says, I might, we're having chicken, which was a great relief for all of us. Well, anyway, so... It progresses, and they're getting everything ready. And I went to Graham, and I said, Graham, I need to wash my hands. He looks at me, and he goes, oh, my, there's no water out of here. I go, what do you do? He said, just wipe them off the best you can. So we're all getting ready for dinner. You got your banana leaf. The food's all there in little pots. Honest to God, we prayed over the dinner. And they asked me to pray. And let me tell you, it wasn't, Lord, thank you for this food. Blessed to our bodies in Jesus' name. I said, God, please bless this food. And cleanse this food. And please doesn't let it make us sick. <laughs> I went on. <coughs> Here's what happened. We're there, the table's there. You got your banana leaf. Here's a villager comes out from behind the bushes. God only knows what he was doing as he's pulling up his pants. No running water. And gets in the line with his banana leaf. This is the way it went down. I was in front of some other people. Or they were in front of me. And reaches into the mashed potatoes. Very nice, by the way. And then licks his fingers off. Mm, pretty good. Reaches his hand back into the potatoes. For another load. Let me tell you something. When you... I can understand why they were mad. You were eating with the Gentiles. Because let me tell you, whatever diseases they had, you now have. And this is the way it worked. You become literally one. But see, this is what Jesus said. He would sit down and eat with us. Whatever we have wouldn't infect Jesus, but whatever he has would affect us. And so because of that, 
They're saying you went in to where the Gentiles were and ate with them in their cooties. Oh man, talk about double dipping. This brought it into the stratosphere. So notice. But Peter, explaining it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying. In a trance, I saw a vision. This object descended like a great sheet, let down from heaven four corners, and it came to me. And when I observed it intensely and considered it, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, not so, Lord. By the way, whenever God is speaking to you and you say to God, not so, Lord, you're probably going to lose just observation. When you tell God, nah, you know, God has a way of changing our minds. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever said no to God? And then God, in his great, benevolent, loving kindness, says, I can change that. And by the way, you may be involved in something right now that you know you're not supposed to be involved in. We get that way. And, and, and you might even really like it. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's something else. But you know, if you don't have a willing heart, you can ask God to give you a willing heart to get out of it. And the Bible says he will. You see, God's a good God. Daddy's a good daddy. You see, Jesus, again, did not come. He's not the law. He came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill what it required for us to be able to approach God as his child. And so if you don't have a willing heart, ask God. He'll give you one. So now as he reiterates the second time what really has gone on. And by the way, God sometimes has to tell us more than once what he wants from us. Why is that? Sometimes I'm rebellious. Sometimes I'm just flat out dumb and forget. But I know that when God puts his hand and call on your life, he'll keep calling you until you do what he wants you to do. Look at Jonah. You know, Jonah in the Bible is an interesting story to me. Because here God wants Nineveh to repent. It's the most wicked city in the known world, known especially for their cruelty. I'm supposed when Jonah heard that God wants to destroy Nineveh, he said, yes, finally. And God sends Jonah there, but he didn't want to go. He, he, he did anything but going. You'd think God would just say, oh, he didn't want to go. I'll get somebody else. Next, please. Come on in. No, God's not like that. You were created for a purpose. And because you're created for a purpose, you're going to fulfill that purpose. Because that's the only place you'll really ever be happy. Isn't that weird? We try all kinds of things to be happy. I thought I'd be happy getting on a roller coaster ride at Legoland. If you're over 40, don't do that. 
I remember sitting there as this thing is slamming me around. Now, friends, when you're nice and flexible, when you're in your teens and earlier, it might be a thrill. But let me tell you something. I thought my head was going to break off. You're not meant to bend like that. And all I remember is God, God, let this end. Because it was so violent. And I got off, and my little girl is going, wasn't that great? And I go, it was paralyzing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you get on a ride, you'll remember what I'm telling you. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, not so, Lord. But the voice answered and came to me again from heaven. What God has cleansed, you must not call uncommon. Now this was done three times. All were drawn up into heaven. And at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. Maybe these six men were probably witnesses. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in the house who had said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. By the way, God's got your number. He's got your address. He knows who you are. Isn't it funny? God wanted Peter to go. You ever think God's got a job for you and me? I want to be very careful and never missing that call. And he says who will tell you the words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, upon us as it was in the beginning. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And then, of course, the last part of verse 18. Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. What a mighty revelation to complete the Christmas story that Jesus is for everybody. Notice you're halfway through the book of Acts, just about, before they realize that Gentiles could even be saved. Friends, God wants to do something new in your life today. And just to have your eye open to see how unique you are, that you don't forget who you are. Every time you look at your Bible, You can say, I'm the world's greatest Christian. Doesn't matter how many things didn't go the way you thought they were going to go. You're still the world's greatest Christian. Because the Bible says, Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, that's who you are. And if we ever miss who we are, we're going to miss the opportunity of what God wants to do and to show you, because you're obedient to him, his power. Now remember, the devil is a junk dealer. 
I like junk. I know what junk is. And the devil is a junk dealer. Not the same kind of junk you find in a wrecking yard or in a second-hand store. No, in fact, the stuff that he peddles is much more glamorous. Has much more sparkle and gleam to it. You see, because if he can buy you off with worldly junk, worldly promise, a worldly thrill, a worldly experience... You won't be where you're supposed to be to fulfill what God has called you to do. We have to realize something. There's a battle for you. Now you think about that for what do you mean? You're valuable to God. Now you may, this morning, may not think you're so valuable. And may very well be because you've looked at your failures. But what if Jesus, being the fulfillment of the law, made all those failures go away? You're free now to be who God's called you to be so that you can fulfill what God wants you to do. Just as God spoke to Peter saying, go with these men. God knows who you are. But if you think that you've struck out too many times, if you think you've failed too many times, you won't be any effective to the kingdom of God because you're denying what Jesus did in that he was the fulfillment of the law. All the things that condemn us, by the way, the law, Jesus fixed. And because he fixed those things, You and me are now able to be who God wants us to be. That's the gospel, friends. You didn't earn it. You didn't buy it. You just accepted it. And that is what makes the great difference between Jesus Christ, hope of glory, and religion. Saying that I'll earn it. But Jesus said, I've given it to you. Believe in me. No, thank you, God. I'll earn it by doing a lot of righteous, spiritual stuff. Think of the time lost, the effort expended for nothing. Being about daddy's business. Friends, you got a great hope in heaven. This morning I pray that you understand that not only did Jesus come to forgive us our sins, but to give us the gift of power and love in our life. If you're lacking that today, if you're in sin, you can't get out of it. If you're trapped and you don't know what to do, I just want to tell you, God has a plan to get you out. I had a person tell me one time, they said, well, Mike, the devil's after me. And I said, really? What's going on? Well, every time I I, I, I start doing something for God, I, I get sidetracked. Well, let's talk about the sidetrack. What's the sidetrack about? Well, uh, uh, let me ask you a couple questions. Uh, when you get sidetracked, do you get sidetracked um, uh, just any time? Or is it a certain time of the day? Well, it, it, it's, it's, it's a certain time of the day. Well, let me ask you another question. When you get sidetracked at a certain time of the day, do you get sidetracked by 
a thought or is it by people? Well, uh, it's, it's usually with people. So you get sidetracked certain times of the day with certain people. Yeah. Okay. And when you're around these people, do you start doing things you know are not right? Yes. You see, the Bible says we need to be careful. The Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he can devour. Sometimes it requires us to change our whole way we live our life. In other words, we don't see the same people anymore. We don't associate with certain groups of people. We don't associate with certain friends because their ways are not God's ways. Listen, you're valuable to God. Eternity is a long time. (laughs) You can... Excuse me. You can lay up for yourself treasure in heaven instead of wasting the time. Now, Jesus said this, and we're closing this. Redeeming the time, the days are evil. Friends, I've never seen it more so than now. Redemption of lost time. Time that would normally be just thrown away. God says, don't do that redeem it. But if I'm redeeming it only to sin in it, I'm not doing what God wants. Think about it. Say, Lord, I want you. And we're coming into a new year, but you don't even have to wait to the new year to say, Lord, whatever's of you, put more in my life. And whatever is not of you, I ask you to take it out. Now, sometimes when God takes things out of our life, it's great. I mean, you go, let that's gone. But sometimes when God takes something out of our life, it's where you need your brothers and sisters around you in Christ to help you through that time of God's adjusting you. But you're better off to be around the family of God than be around the wicked. It's better to have yourself ready to be called on to be instant in season and out of season for the Lord than to be unusable because we have something wrong in our life. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you're believing the philosophy of the world. You're, 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 entrend- you're, you're intoxicated with, with the devil's junk truck offering you a a little thrill to keep you preoccupied from what God wants. Repent. Just come home to God. You know what repentance means? You've been walking this way, walk the opposite way. And God will bless you and heal you and restore you. That's the gospel, friends, because he cares. But if the devil can make you think you're a loser, if the devil can make you forget who you are in him, he can control you. I'm here today to tell you, even as a non-Christian, you were divinely put on this earth for a godly purpose. Would you spend maybe a month, a year, maybe the rest of your life trying to find out what that is?
Because then you're going to really see God do something wonderful in you. God loves you so much. The Bible says he died on the cross for you, took your place. All the things the law required to make things perfect, he fulfilled. So you can be and sit on your daddy's lap and say, Father, I love you. Friends, that's a wonderful thing. When you lay your head down on your pillow at night, and this is for you as Christians, and you lay your head down on your pillow at night, and you can say, Lord, thank you. And thank you that you love me and that I love you. And I just want to do what you want me to do. Oh, man, so much better than going, oh, gee, I hope I don't die. I don't know what's out there. You see, God's got something better for you. If you're not a Christian, you can turn your life over to Christ. That's called repentance. And accept him as Savior. We're going we're gonna to pray in a second. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian and you're backslidden away from the Lord, you find yourself doing things that repetitively that you know you shouldn't be doing, and God's just saying, hey, I want you to come home. I got something so much better for you. Stop buying the junk. And let God heal you. You see, but Lord, I I got all this imitation ice cream and I'm holding on to it. And God says, you'll never have the real stuff until you get rid of that. We are so prone to settle for less than God's best. If you need to pray and come home to God today, let's pray right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. I don't want to live the way I've lived anymore. And from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I believe you died on the cross for me. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be about your business. And Lord, thank you for all that you are. Thank you for writing my name in your book of life. I get to spend eternity with you. Never to be scared of dying again. Take my life in Jesus' name.